0: The U.S.I. welcome to Let's Talk, a place for open conversation. Today, I'm proud to welcome Colton Haynes to Let's Talk. Many of you know Colton as an actor from his role as Jackson Whitmore in MTV's Teen Wolf and Hopper Hopper, CW's era. Now he's adding a new title to his name, author. His memoir titled "It's Memory Lane, tasting on his raw truthful journey from Kansas to Hollywood. At times, his words will make you laugh. I did. At times, he'll make you cry. I did that too. But personally, as I turn from page to page and chapter to chapter, I truly just felt so proud of his bravery for writing so honestly. Welcome Colton, so glad to have you here. Congratulations on the success of your book.
1: Thank you for saying all that, that was so sweet. And you're gonna make me cry. (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So where are you now?
1: I'm in a great place. I just finished um, doing a lot of the press for the book and then doing a little book tour and I got home Two days ago and i have a couple more days off and then i go to canada to work for a month you know i'm i really am in just i'm in such a great place you know i really felt like i de- I, I mean clearly had a lot to get off my chest i'm really proud of what i did because it took me almost three years to write it and people are always like oh you know that i was shocked by what you what you wrote about in the book and it's nice for me to hear that because it really shows a side of me that i wasn't showing and it also uh, really lets people into my life and and really who i who i really am so i feel like i'm in a great place
0: well last time we saw each other was actually 2016.
1: yeah at our photo shoot for entertainment weekly gosh i was so excited to work with you too because you shot my official coming out story yeah we should we shot up in laurel canyon in this this house that was very dusty and really like lived in and it was just such a great experience
0: I remember that, that day you were excited, a yeah. little bit nervous, and so was I. I didn't tell you, but it was so important for me to be there because, you know, being part of the LGBTQI community, everything we do, we try to make sure that we're doing the right thing yeah. and be there at the right time. And I know you for a long time. We're both in the industry. So no, we both experience what it's like, or at least know and understand what it's like for people who have to stay in the closet or forced to stay in the closet, which is a journey that you were on. I'm one of the lucky ones that I didn't even know what a closet was. Perhaps English is my second language, so therefore I never learned that. <laughs> but I, I didn't have that journey. But I knew I knew your story before I knew you. Mm-hmm. And I've seen you on modeling comp cards. I remember your face. I remember this one picture that I'll always remember of you. I see it every day when I go to Equinox because a giant billboard by the building, your chin is tilted up high, your eyes is looking down and your mouth just quivery open a little. Always seems like you're saying hi to me as I walk by. And I remember that picture and I see that picture all the time. And I often say to myself, At that time, what's he thinking? And I remember this is before 2016. What was that Colton thinking then?
1: That picture that you're referring to, I shot the cover of 944 magazine. There's my second cover I ever did. And that photo was the photo that everyone wanted me to recreate my whole entire career. So it's actually still happening to this day. It's It's on every single storyboard of every shoot I do basically just always trying to be as sexy as I possibly could because I learned at a very early age that, you know, sex sells and also sex would would help me, or at least emoting a sexual behavior would get me further towards my dreams, which, you know, at the time I didn't really understand that that was damaging to me, you know, caused me to have a very intense relationship with sex. That was in 2008. And I had just moved here after graduating high school. It's one of my favorite pictures because it does it did capture such a raw moment in my life. And it really to have the, the surprise of of not knowing I was going to be on the cover and then it being in bill, on billboards across the city, that was incredible. But it definitely did help launch my career in a way. I missed that that kid who was running around in his, you know, in his makeshift lifts that I stuffed in the back of my shoes to try to be taller. The kid who was so ambitious and just really you know, using all of the negativity to kind of fuel this fire. Yeah, I'm trying to get some of that back. I definitely feel at times very um, uh, extinguished instead of distinguished. <laughs> but yeah, I'm definitely I, I miss that kid, and I, I'm you know trying to find him more often.
0: As a photographer, part of my goal is to communicate the way that a subject wants to be seen to the world. And so each subject carries a different responsibility for me. It's important that I enable each talent's personality to shine and reflect what is within them. I've done so many sex issues with women, with men. That's what I'm known for, to bring on the sexuality and and confidence in women and men all across the board, trans, whatnot. It's about celebrating the very best. And in your book, you touch a lot on this, which is sex sells. And we know that's what advertising, the core of advertising is sexiness, right? That moment that whether you gave that knowingly or not, is this moment that photographer worked for. Well, it took us till 2016 that we got to see each other and shoot together. So I want you to know the journey for you to get there. It was the same journey that I took away for you. And I was quite nervous as photographer that day. When I was shooting you, I felt like there's a burden on my shoulder. To make sure that I capture you the way you wanted to be seen, not the Colton on the billboard I've been walking around seeing for five six years. Yeah, it's a new Colton. It's who you want people to know. What did you want people to know?
1: I really do think that you captured that because you know when the, when the photos came out, I, I looked so incredibly happy. I really was emoting a, a true joy. When people talk about photo shoots, it's an art to me and it, and to you. And it, it, it's genuinely something that I'm so incredibly inspired by is photography and photographers. The ability that that you have that day to really capture that that joy. And I wasn't quite nervous that day. Yes, yeah, so I obviously have known about your work and everything. And I was just excited because anytime I get to work with a photographer that I haven't worked with before, I'm always excited because I do all the research and, you know, I'm always seeing what they're doing because it's really... I was just excited to do that. And I, I really... I definitely felt the joy that was radiating from those, those pictures.
0: When the story dropped, did that same joy continue?
1: It did for, for a couple of days. I, I remember I was in Paris. I had a shoot and I was also there for a, a superhero convention and I was sitting on this balcony and I was crying in my robe. It, it was like five or six in the morning when it dropped. And I, I still have the video that I, I never released it, but um, yeah, I was just crying and I was, I felt all the love and, Everyone from Elton John to just young queer kids who, who felt uh, uplifted from hearing my story, just everyone was reaching out. It was such a magical week. Yeah, it just it really did feel like there was a weight lifted off my shoulders. And yeah, even, even the the article that was written that, that accompanied the, the pictures, just everything was just perfect.
0: Look cool in your book, you, you took us this incredible journey, geographically, emotionally, oh, yeah, roller coaster ride. I would say half the book, there was a lot of shame in who you were and how you defined yourself. So when does shame turns into bravery?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I have this thing where I can't not say how I'm feeling. And that can be a little off-putting to people sometimes because we kind of have been able to thrive and, and just be in an industry that's kind of rooted in being fake and small talk and kind of like the bullshit. And I think that that has never been something it's been easy for me. And so, um, when shame became bravery was whenever I really started connecting with people that were actually taking positive things away from my story. And I really had this intense, like immense focus on the negative and, you know, focusing on the weeds instead of the flowers. And it wasn't until pretty recently where I stopped doing that. And so once I started meeting kids at these conventions and then p- kids who would come up to me on the street and and tell me these things. Even young actors who are coming up now who've said that they connected with my story. It, it wasn't until recently, until I got sober, which is almost four years ago, that I, that I could hear that appreciation and that I could accept that thanks and that love. I think I'm definitely always working towards that as leaning into that instead of being rooted in shame. It's an everyday process. I don't have a problem with sharing my story because Right now, especially with this book, it's the first time I've ever actually been able to tell my story. And a lot of times I speak and it, it just falls on deaf ears.
0: For someone like you who do not hesitate on what you want to say all the time around you, that must have been the most incredible, difficult thing to do, to be able to share one thing you wanted to share the most.
1: Oh, yeah. like come Yeah, the coming out. Basically, if that's what you're referring to, I... Gosh, not, I was out of high school, and then when I moved to LA, I was I was told that if I don't go back in the closet, that I won't uh, be able to realize my dream. And so, it definitely was a complete mental warfare. And it, you know, to watch to watch even now to watch you know straight actors and and people who are very withholding of their of really any emotion um, to watch watch the way that that's rewarded is um is still pretty. Uh, infuriating you have to have a lot of mystery around you a lot of times in order to succeed i'm kind of over that i definitely very very grateful that i'm still you know able to put this book out and still live here but it can be pretty tricky so
0: what came first the title or the writing
1: the title definitely the title. That was a nickname that was given to me years back and it just stuck. I say in the book, it was just like painfully accurate because I, I tend to hold people hostage with my memories. I know a lot of people and I have a lot of, um, you know, people I love and who love me, but I, there's a a select handful of people that get held hostage by my memories. And so, um, to them, I apologize, but I also don't because I'm sorry. Like if someone sends me a card, if someone sends me pictures all the time, I freaking love it. I love memories. And so the title came first and I thought that they, when I was writing the pitch for the book, I wrote like a 25 page pitch and then we went out everywhere. I thought they're going to want to make me change it. And I thought that everyone's going to have a lot of say in what I was going to do with the book. And I couldn't have been wrong. I had free reign. I got to do essentially whatever I wanted. And I felt so supported by my editor and I felt just there was so much love and I, I got to work with a lot of like-minded people on my team, even down to the book, the publicity. And so, yeah, it just, it always felt like home, but I definitely had the title before the book.
0: Writing a book is one thing, but when it's all done, it's all packaged, it's ready for people to yeah. read. That's a whole different story. Oh yeah. So when people started turning those pages, what do you want them to take away with?
1: I want them to feel a sense of, you know, not being afraid to be themselves and also not being afraid to let their voices be heard. With the amount of love and support, there's always going to be a backlash and things like that. But I just think that words really truly do matter and they really can't help people. There's a lot of people who don't actually share their story because they never heard their story before. and I had never heard a lot of my story before. And I I wish that there was was something like that that I could connect with when I was ready to connect with it. And I just think that we all have unique qualities and we really are able to realize that once we share those qualities and once we share those stories. Clearly our stories will be different. No one's story is the same. Yeah, I just want people to just feel encouraged to not hide in the shadows. and, And I just want people to really yeah, I mean, just step into the light and, and not focus on trying to stay silent, so.
0: Well, that's why I described this reading so brave because there's so many parts of it incredibly brave. You open doors and peel back the curtains of the dirtiness of our industry. And I was reading this book and I have to say, I begin to feel guilt. <laughs> as a person who participates and we live in this industry. Oh, yeah. And... I had this discussion with a close friend of mine. I said, you know, it's a very interesting place to be for the LGBT community within the industry. How do you be in a situation where an actor, model, whatnot nine in the industry are not ready to come out? If you support them not coming out, you're also hurting them, hurting themselves. And then when do you step up and hold their hand and then be there for them? It's something that I don't have an answer for is something that you made me really think about when I read your book. How are we participants in this broken cycle, right? How do we be accountable? As a photographer, as a director in this industry, you and I both know the hierarchy, how people play in this world and how, how it gets at play yeah. on both sides. And sexuality, many of us are confused how to use our so called power, mm-hmm. right? Our inner strength. And that's why I question these things because these are bravery because there's no right answer.
1: It's so tricky because it's like, you know, at the same time, a lot of these kids, I, and I speak for myself, you know, I, I was exploiting myself just as much as I felt exploited. Even now, it, it did a number on me, this doing press for the book, because if you're out in the industry, there's only a handful of people who are are out. Every single interview, the reason why you're there, the reason why they're talking to you anyway, is they want to exploit you being queer or you being gay. They want that to be, you know, held for their pride thing. They want to ask you the same freaking question. but It boggles my mind because I just know it's going to come every time. I'm sure, And you probably get this too. It's like, it really is. It becomes the entire focus on the conversation. It's not to spread awareness or to share your story. It's to exploit. It's to say, oh, well, we filled that quota and now we don't know how we're going to implement or how we're going to actually change things. We're just going to keep questioning how are things going to change for people and how is this, how is that? Um, And it's not, it's not helpful. I mean, I understand, you know, putting your story and and using your voice is very helpful to people, but it's, it's only helpful when it's um, being presented to the masses with people who have your best interest in mind. And so it's such a tricky thing because I kept just getting asked this question, you know, about being gay and blah, blah, you know, what's it like to be gay in Hollywood? And I've watched friends of mine who are out be asked the same question. And I wish that it was handled with more care by people and, you know, uh, and asked by other people who are in, in our community. It, it is definitely to speak on what you were talking about earlier with how to maneuver the situation with people who are going to come out or not. It is such a tricky thing because for me personally, which is obviously only, the only person I can speak for is wherever I fit into this industry, a lot of times is based off of the way that I look, because I do have characteristics that, that do lean towards the leading male or things like that. And so I kind of crafted my life around trying to learn how to be that in real life. And so for me, coming out was beneficial at times for, for my life, especially now, now I get to be authentically me, which I'm super, super happy about. But it still is tricky with career stuff because I can't, every audition I get is to play the gay best friend. Um, my face and my looks compete with the leading male, so I can't be the best friend. And I've never played a gay role except for I came out of the closet and then the show I've been working on forever made my character gay to exploit my coming out. So it's just tricky. And now now it's just, it's a toss up because I, I would beat other straight actors out for to play their roles but now I don't get those opportunities. And so I think it is tricky to come out because the public perception of you really becomes tied to your art and your ability to be an actor when, you know, straight people don't get that. I even the questions on my book tour. Like they're not asking straight authors who are actors these questions. They're they're out there trying to help them sell their book that it's not it wasn't the case for me. Clearly I want we both want to figure this thing out. But it's just like, I, you know, I just think more people need to start talking and and being honest. And I also think that there needs to be more opportunity for for people to be themselves.
0: Although the world is changing, it can be challenging to express our identities. We're all accountable for the ways in which we allow others to be authentic. And as a photographer and an image maker, for me, this is especially true. What well, is broken. And, and I appreciate your honesty because I, I can tell you one instance. I remember, you know, I was casting for a campaign shoot and I cast this male model, beautiful and gorgeous. And he shows up on set. We work for two days and a Beyonce song came on the, on the radio. Corner of my eyes, I see him doing the single lady dance routine in the corner. And I go, oh, his family, and I walk up to him, and he was yeah. so shocked. He was so nervous. Yeah. He goes, "Oh, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I keep apologizing." And he's European, so he had an accent. And I said, oh, "What's what's going on?" He's like, "My agent told me I have to act straight because this is an Italian client, and they see me this way. You're gonna, you guys, you're gonna cancel me." And I, and I, I, I. it was so sad to see, and especially he's in a safe place with us. A a gay photographer Yet he had to hide his persona And it's funny to me Because modeling is acting Acting is taking on new character Character is about Evolution Mm -hmm. of of Persona that you want people to see So I personally don't have a problem with that And and thank God my client Didn't have any problem with that But but in his mind In the business mindset Of our industry Who tried to sell beauty and fashion Is actually Responsible so much for these perpetuations of negative portrayal of how we should be in the industry, how we want people to see us.
1: Yeah, because if you're hired as the male model, like as he was, you, you're you hired to be sexual with the female model and you're hired to you have to play that character. And also a lot of times, you know, I worked with a lot of, of photographers who were gay. It was a problem. A lot of times they were they're wanting that the butch guy to show up and who's six foot whatever. And they're wanting to fantasize about that person. And then when I would show up at the time, you know, very androgynous and very wayfish and it was just a different story. And so that was tricky because I was told the same thing and I feel bad for that kid. The model was just definitely, as I talk about a lot in the book, is just doing what you're told, you know, I mean, doing whatever you can to continue to further your career. So you can not only make money and make a living, but also just try to get to the next, the next stage and the next step. And. It is such a game. It really, it does feel, it's like, you know, always trying to get to the next level, always trying to get to the next stage. But it's, in the modeling industry, it does seem like it's changing though. But trust me, not as at all how it should. People have placed different um, uh, types of queer people in on their board. They they should be focused on more clearly. Nowadays, you couldn't go live in a model's apartment as a teenager with a bunch of 20-whatever-year-olds. You can't send photographs to in white briefs as your Polaroids at 15 or 14, 15 years old, like thinking about just, that was only, that wasn't too long ago. That was like, you know, what is it now? 2022, 2004. That, you know, not too long ago, but so in that regard, things are changing, but yeah, I feel bad that there are still kids who are likely being told that by their agents.
0: That's why I think your book is so ever important because this story, I think, the story you have not too long ago is still happening now. Yeah. It is still happening all over the world. Because we're in the US, we're much more open now and the non-binary is accepting. We are we like to think that we are accepting with yeah. uh, transgenders, so we are celebrating, we're celebrating the gays, we're celebrating Asians, we're celebrating black people. We we have this this notion that's happening in our country, but it's not like that worldwide. Maybe. There are very conservative countries o- across the world. And I can tell you, as a, you know. I have TV shows in Asia and I yeah. host a cooking show in Asia. And, and when I first went to Asia to do tomato shows, I was actually protected under the idea that I'm American. I'm American-Asian. Therefore I can live authentically gay-ish, gay-ish. And I said that carefully, because if I was too flamboyantly gay off as a Asian person, there are certain regions of the country would not run the show. Oh. Wow. Right, I, I would not be accepted culturally. Or I wouldn't accept it uh, in, in whatever sector population. Yeah. And I didn't have to go through what you had to go through, but there was definitely like, okay, let's have a little adjustment here. And I remember reading that you had to body movement studies and learning to speak differently. I didn't have to go through all that, but it was a cultural confusion for me. Yeah. Because somebody who trying to identify myself as proud Asian American... And all of a sudden, I'm in Asia, I am American Asian. Oh, yeah. So I can then be LGBTQ, and that's okay. So, it happens in all different sectors of life. Well,
1: business. you're still, I mean, it, you know, clearly our stories are different, but I mean, you're, you have to really deal with this, as to where I don't have to deal with this every day now, because, you know, I'm uh, I'm white, and you have to deal with this every day. Of You, you know, you can't, we do live in a world that does only really want to i mean it's an umbrella statement but you know there's people the people who are celebrated most of the time anywhere are white people and so you having to deal with that every day on top of trying to really just be there for your community that has to be just absolutely um, infuriating and but you being authentically you at the end of the day is really the most important and i think that you've been doing that
0: Well, you mentioned you've been sober for four years. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Well, I, yeah, I'm sober, but I still drink Red Bull. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of a drug. Yeah.
0: Well, and then the book started three years ago. So I'm asking, is this book part of your
1: process of healing? It definitely was. I had been offered uh, years back to, you know, write a book and I've just been in such a great headspace and I'm, It can be a very flashy pitch if you if you think of my story. In this industry, dollars do matter. My favorite part about the situation was me flipping the switch and saying, Now that I sign on the dotted line, you know, I had to be very firm on I know you think you're getting this e true Hollywood story, but let me tell you, it's not going to be that. This is not going to be a smear piece. I'm not going to have anyone else implicated. I'm going to change names. I don't have any interest in hurting people who've hurt me in the past. If this was couple years earlier, uh, yeah, I would have written a career ending memoir because there's still, you know, it's still a lot of anger that I have towards things that have happened. But when I speak, it can scare people who've wronged me in the past. And then what happens is then they, then I get a call from my lawyers threatening if I say anything, I'm like, it's not that funny how gag orders and, si- and silencing people's stories is still such a thing. When I went to write the book, I kept having to check check myself because a little bit of that anger would seep back in. I ended up cutting so much of the book because I didn't want that anger and that pain to come through because what happens is that would be focused on, which still happened in the press. People focused on two lines of my book that has nothing to do with the book. My team knew that that was going to happen because I told them that was going to happen because I've been doing this for almost 20 years. This was very beneficial to my healing. I always felt like this was a book for the broken ones. And when I say broken, I don't we know that we're not broken. we We do hold a lot of that special light that people just don't understand. And so to hear from like the broken ones about this book, that was really who this was for. And so, in helping people who have been struggling and helping people who have to live in a world with people who don't understand what it's actually like to go through, some very serious issues as a kid and to have to be subjected to hiding our pain i just wanted i wanted this to be a special light for others so it was very beneficial in my in my healing and i hope will be beneficial towards others uh, in the future i think it'll find people at the right time so
0: i think you find people in different stages that are alive i think there are so many parts of the book that I can relate to, that oh, I'm you know from that. Terry Hill, Indiana. So when you just start like that, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm called Fed. <laughs> so when I read about Kansas, I reflect to my Terry Hill, Indiana experiences, whether it's um, racism, LGBTQ minorities being marginalized, those things we all can extrapolate and relate to. And it's really, it is healing for not just for you. Reason I asked if this healing process for you, I think when we heal, yeah. we heal others, <laughs> right? So, I, I, as I read through the book, and I can see the progression of the evolution in you, And because I know you too. I know your yeah. story from from the inside, and and I gotta say, there were moments I edge my seat. I did ask myself, "Is he going to go there?" And I'm so proud of you to be able to tell me that yeah. the anger was not part of the story. That you were able to share these stories from your heart, and, and you you do leave. Pages out there for people to question Whether they should be angry or sad And I'm not going to yeah. say it to other people You guys decide on your own Because there are definitely pages that go Let me read that one more time Is that coming from a place of anger still? Or is that coming from a place of helpful yeah. feeling? And I think you're absolutely right we all going to take it from different perspective For where we yeah. are in our lives, right? For me, I'm definitely as a career And a photographer for 25 years I think accountability oh, yeah. is so ever important, right? Stand up for women, stand up for our community, and as we know the Me Too movement, we, as we know that, you know, all these cancel culture that happens around our industry, you know, we have to look inward and be accountable. There are many times I, I thought about writing a book, and I got I to say, I understand why I haven't, because it would come from anger.
1: Yeah, because you're like, you know what? This is this can live forever. I need to, I need to get this out because I've been having to hold this in forever. And I am so grateful I didn't do that because I've even in the pro in the last three years when I was, you know, when I was writing it, I've mended some of those relationships that I would that would have been in that book forever. Like I'm so grateful that I that legally I can't talk about, you know, the past relationship. My healing process just continues it feels like things out of the blue like band-aids keep flying in just trying to help heal because the more time i've had to sit in it and figure out things the relationship can heal yeah it's definitely the anger and the shade still comes in a bit but it's nice whenever people who normally are extremely shady go to file through my book and they can't find anything they're only like where's all the drama and then really they they come out being like, like mad that that it it wasn't this like you know true Hollywood story or things like that it's really coming from my soul and that was nice because it was it was kind of this um, you know they're reading between the lines of my book and what I'm telling them is to read between the the lines so yeah F F them so
0: I will have to ask is there one story that was edited out from the final of the book that you wish was kept in?
1: (sighs) I could have written a trilogy. Let me tell you, there are a lot of stories that I definitely wish. I, don't know, I wish there were a couple that I wanted to keep in and no one made me take these out. It was, it was all me. I looked at it in a way of wanting to keep something for myself. And there was, there was a couple stories of people who had passed away that I, I just in my head, I didn't want that to be my memory of them. Because when it is set in stone, when it is printed on the page, for me, it's hard to change that memory. And so if I'm looking at a photograph, let's say a you photograph you've taken of me or a photograph, and I, and I place a memory on that, that instance or, or that, that photograph or that page, it is hard for me to change that. And so I found myself not wanting to tell someone else's story, even though it was only going to be for me. No one else would have known who that person was. I just wanted to have that story be unwritten. Uh, you know that way it could change so yeah there are plenty of stories um and i yeah there's still some little bit of little bit of shadiness for me and i just couldn't hold some of this back i was like you know to know some of these people haven't really changed and i'm like i just have to get one line in it's i have to get one thing in i talk about this producer this person in hollywood who was oh i won't say it because it's very graphic who was let's just say not able to walk because of a certain sexual situation they had gotten themselves into. Um, and I, I write about it very shadily in the book. Therapeutic. That's why I call it. <laughs> it was yeah, therapeutic. Definitely, <laughs> definitely therapeutic. So yeah.
0: what's next? What's next Colton?
1: Well, so I've been going to school. And so I, um, I start back. Oh my God. In a couple of weeks I go, I'm going to start uh, shooting a, a new movie. Um, next week i'm going away for a month and a half and then i'll have to also be doing my school online um and then i'm starting another writing thing it's so it's like once the stuff is announced and it's like but i feel like i'm i'm going to say it and i i'm just like i want people to know what the next thing is but um i'm definitely continuing to write i can just say that this won't be the last time the last that People will hear of Miss Memory Lane, and hopefully they'll be able to see it soon.
0: Yeah. Yes, see it. Now I know what's next. Physically, what's next emotionally for you?
1: Continued happiness, just not like not just waking up and stepping into the ring every day. It's like, and it's really mostly just with myself. I am a hermit. I mean, I, I I'm so much happier at home. I. Like I said earlier, I'm not the best with like small talk, So that's why I like love like having these conversations and things like that. And because when I'm out in the real world, I, my, neurodiv- my neurodivergence can definitely confuse people. So I think emotionally, I just, I just want to, you know, continue this journey and just be as happy as I possibly can and really like just try to find a lot of the, the positives, I guess, as you know, just not sound like a bumper sticker, but just getting to know myself more. Uh, that's that's the thing I'm really focusing on because I really truly figure out or at least get a handle on that person that I'll be able to, you know, share that. Yeah. So emotionally, uh, trying to figure this out, trying to figure this right out.
0: I love it. Thank you so much. And it's funny because I know you guys who listening cannot see Colton right now. When he's beginning thinking about what's next, he's giving that signature Eyebrow raised, chin up a little, breathing, thinking. The signature look that I've been staring at for six years outside of Equinox billboard. Oh my god, that is your look, and you own it, and nobody else has it. And I appreciate you being there, ball community, and your trailblazer for you to be able to come out and share the story you want to share. And I'm so proud of you for it not be a book of anger, not book of shade, but book of honesty. You guys the stories, relationship between your family, your mom. I, I, it made me want to just run over and give you a hug and say everything will be okay. The moment that you walk the red carpet for the very first time, that still want to have your hands out there for your brother and sisters, those moments that I can absolutely relate. And those are the moments that check ourselves to know who we are. And I so appreciate you share that. And I want our listener to go out there, pick up the book, read it cry with it, hug with it, smile with it. It's a journey and what's next for Colton is that this book will live on forever and continue to help young LGBTQI+ community. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you and thank you for sharing your beauty and your art because I really I'm just so grateful and you know to get to work with you, to get to meet you and also just to, you know, to be a, a small part in 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 your journey as well. So I appreciate you.
0: I hope I see you again on a photo shoot.
1: Please, yes, I'm available Well, so after a month. So please, <laughs> I would love to.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Colton, for sharing your courage and being an example of our LGBTQIA community by sharing your truth. There aren't enough of our stories out there. Through hearing the stories of others, we can find strength because no story is the same. We are not a monolith. So each story is a step on the path to healing and acceptance. Every coming out story has a different background. Books such as and Buttigieg's, Have Something to Tell You, speaks to a different audience than Colton's, but each offers its own encouragement to those who need support. you never know who might benefit from the stories of your experiences. Thank you to all my listeners for your constant support. Please subscribe to this podcast for more open conversations. You can visit our website at com and follow me on Instagram at usai88 for updates. Let's Talk The production of 88 Phases. I'm your host, Usai. Our director, Luis Jaime. And writer, editor, and producer, Trevor Sorenjin. Thank you for this conversation.